this is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to be. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6, talking about the biggest stories of the week from my libertarian perspective. And as a libertarian, I don't, I don't believe in interfering in other countries. When you take my libertarian views to the extreme, I'm what they call an anarcho-capitalist. I actually think that society is self-ordering, and the modern state, which uses coercion as a coercive monopoly on the use of force, that uh, that we have an actual conflict of interest with them, that they use the, the, the state to take away our rights to self-defense in order to justify violence that they use to impart privilege to cronies. <laughs> so in the extreme, I think this, the individual is sovereign. But uh, in the interim, as I try to kick the can down the road for, for my descendants, I try to do things like defend the Bill of Rights, recognize that we have no right to uh, violate the sovereignty of other nations. This idea of American exceptionalism People often think, they confuse it, they think it means the American experiment or what's extraordinary about the American experiment, this idea of the sovereign citizen. But actually, the way it is used and its origin is, um, and uh, Charles Krauthammer, who's a big proponent of American exceptionalism, was talking about it on Tucker Carlson this week. American exceptionalism is about... uh, America having an exception to the law of nations. It's about America not having to respect the sovereignty of others because we are the world leader. And that's a dangerous concept and a concept I disagree with. But we do it, and we do it not just by leading, by example, but we do it behind the scenes. We do it in ways that even we would recognize to be illegal. And that is how this whole problem with Ukraine started in the first place, was that the president of Ukraine was acting in the interest of its country by cutting a deal with Russia better than the deal it was getting with the EU. And our operatives wanted to, we, that was unacceptable to us, even beyond whether it was acceptable or not to the EU. That's how much we control the situation. And I've got uh, some smoking guns to prove that. I was talking about it before, and I mentioned how I played a clip of how Victoria Nuland, the Secretary of State or Undersecretary of State for European and Eurasian Affairs, uh, in December 2013 was speaking to an audience with a, which was sponsored by Exxon and Chevron. And she was talking about how much money she and the U.S., $5 billion U.S. spent on trying to influence the government of Ukraine and uh, I had also read that uh, Pierre Omidyar, who was the sponsor of The Intercept, of Glenn, Glenn Greenwald, of uh, Edward Snowden, supposed to be like this anti-deep state guy, was one of their partners in trying to uh, uh, change the regime or influence the regime of Ukraine. I did say that he was the 
founder of PayPal, and my husband texted me to say he was the founder of eBay. So I'm sorry about that. Thank you for the correction. I absolutely love being corrected. I don't like being wrong, but there's second best thing to being right is being corrected. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, so I want to um, I want to show you just how Machiavellian these people are with the clips that I have. And I want to get your response and get some tweets. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Binkley, my producer uh, here, do you have some tweets uh, that make sense in this conversation? Yes, ma'am, I do. I have one from Calvin. He says, I'm split on stopping our agenda at the water's edge. While we should be more home-focused, we always need to keep an eye out overseas because tyrant empires can overtake the world. That's interesting, and I understand that idea. I know uh, we often get the story, if we don't, China and Russia will. But I personally think two things. One is that uh, stable law, respect for private property, which I think by extension you could say is the origin of this national sovereignty thing. I'm not a collectivist. I don't think of government as owning any property. But let's just say uh, respect for boundaries. Um, I think that that our dominance in the 19th century was so complete or it was so clear that's where that our growth, um, the power of, of liberty was uh, palpable. You could taste it, touch it, uh, that when these plots started to hatch about kind of world government from Rockefeller to Rhodes to Rothschild, these guys saw uh, that you couldn't have world government with such a dominant country like the United States that you had to slow down the United States and build up these other countries that didn't have the benefit of capitalism. So what they did, uh, and you can find this in the literature, they, they attempted to kind of slow down the industrialization of the West and increase the industrialization and even the defense and stuff of the East. So you see there's Major Jordan's Diaries as one book that talks about getting giving uh, military secrets to the Russians. There's uh, some stuff that James Corbett did on China about Rockefeller getting tech and military stuff over to the Chinese. And um, Servando Gonzalez wrote a book about how Cuba was the testing ground for de-industrializing a nation, that, that this is a big plot. So my point is just, if we were the shining city on the hill, if we led by example of like truly free trade of a free flow of capital of this kind of goodwill that we were actually I had a caller once telling me he was African North African guy who said back in the day decades ago maybe around the time of JFK when it all started to really change they looked to America as being the kind of anti-colonial anti-communist freedom capitalist they look to it as an example as a as an opening for the world to be a better place a place of opportunity and we changed that like i think with the death of jfk we kind of decided to go control the world geopolitical we do not provide the example that would change that i do not think that this is driven by russia and china i do not think that there's a going to be a power void 
because we would always be so much richer. And then by extension, we spend half of the money in the world, the defense money in the world. So if, so where is all the innovation coming from? It's coming from us. So if we don't, I have long thought, if you're going to respect, you know, a, a government, I am an anarcho-capitalist on the thousand-year plan. But in the meanwhile, if, if, we, if I were a minarchist, a limited government person, I would say that the only true legitimate function of the federal government is national defense. So if somebody is going to contract with us to create these mega weapons, these weapons that keep everybody else at bay without our actually interfering in their politics, which we could do with half the defense budget of the world, it is by definition, if it's used even remotely efficiently, that concentration, you could be purely defensive without actually going out and messing with other countries. That those, that those defense contractors should never sell any uh, weapons to a foreign country. That imagine how the world would be. I think Russia's defense budget is like a tenth of ours. Imagine how safe the world would be if all of the technology we ever invented were purely in our hands and we never gave it to anybody, allies or anything. Now, but we don't. We go out there and our politicians peddle this stuff to other countries for the benefit of these private organizations. So that was one of the things that I noticed about Trump's speech in Poland this week. Uh, if we have, I would love to play clip 12. Clip 12 is about uh, uh, Trump last last week or a couple of weeks ago when he went to Saudi Arabia, the big news was that he cut all sorts of deals to sell them weapons. And now here's what he's happy about in uh, in Poland. Clip 12. Words are easy, but actions are what matters. And for its own protection, Europe, and you know this, everybody knows this, everybody has to know this, Europe must do more. Europe must demonstrate that it believes in its future by investing its money to secure that future. That is why we applaud Poland for its decision to move forward this week on acquiring from the United States the battle-tested Patriot air and missile defense system, the best anywhere in the world. That is also why we salute the Polish people for being one of the NATO countries that has actually achieved the benchmark for investment in our common defense. Thank you. Thank you, Poland. I must tell you, the example you set is truly magnificent and we applaud Poland. Thank you. So you look at that. I mean, that's an ad for buying weapons and we pressure them to buy weapons. Meanwhile, we are spending half the money on defense in the whole world. Like, I don't, I, I can't think of, it's antagonistic. It might actually foster a hot war, which the defense companies absolutely love, like a real war, shooting war. Or you can just create an arms race. They love that, too. That creates debt. I mean, this, to me, can be looked at from a totally different perspective than we need to uh, defend ourselves. You know, I feel like we might be, this might be cronyistic. It might be belligerent. But still, uh, I appreciate that. I think that we can stop at the water's edge, especially with 50% of the defense dollars in the whole world. You know, we could build an iron dome and stop 
creating blowback by destabilizing other countries, by bombing them, by creating the refugees, by creating the terrorists, uh, that we would be safer that way, for sure. The liberty would result in greater safety without us having to interfere. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750, WSB. Partly cloudy with a chance of isolated storms tomorrow, high of 89. The weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. And we have been talking about uh, Russia. Here's the thing. There is so much conflict in this country. And honestly, the media is covering nonstop this idea that Russia is responsible for interfering in our election. It's it's just driving me crazy because I don't believe it. <laughs> They're not presenting any evidence. I think that this is all being used, whether it's real or not, whether you believe it or not, no matter which side of the aisle you're on. Uh, I think left and the right is playing into this idea that Russia interfered. And now Trump actually has an election commission. I have been forecasting this all along the three big things that are going to come out of this russia psyop psychological operation is that federal oversight or guidance or direction or whatever on elections which will make them hackable censorship of news there will be news that's approved and news that is not approved whether formally or informally censorship is coming and also this idea of more of a interfering in the politics of other countries it's this it's counter propaganda and it's and it's directed at our own populations as well those are the three things that are going to come out of the russia thing the way and and in a bigger picture sense the two kind of pillars of uh, or the two big levers that this is generating one is on the international scale it will promote the military industrial complex either just by scaring countries or demanding the countries or scaring our own people into demanding more spending on defense, which mean, means, of course, more debt. Uh, and it will always be in the service of uh, using our government to soften up foreign countries for the benefit of oil and gas companies. That's just how it is. And I never... I. I used to really buy into this idea that the left was just totally anti-business and they accuse, uh, you know, they just hate corporations and that's why they're always down on oil and gas. They they do act like that. I mean, they don't make the real argument, which is our government should not be in the service of corporations. Let the corporations do whatever they want. If transnational corporations are... Uh, are, are the organic, economic, efficient answer, and they emerge like that, that's fine. But if they need uh, the subsidies of our foreign policy, of our bombs and stuff, to force other countries to cooperate, like Ukraine. Ukraine cut a deal with Russia. And then we overthrew the, <laughs> the government of Ukraine, I'm telling you. Uh, so that's the part that... Uh, so that the military industrial complex, the outward looking thing is one thing, but the inward thing is uh, the civil unrest at home because that civil unrest, that conflict creates an, a, a buy-in by the people for government. So if you can get people rioting, if you can get people 
killing cops, you know, or I, I'd not, I, I don't even want to like those words out of my mouth. Ho- hopefully it's not even really happening. But if you can get people scared enough, you will uh, have a uh, more buy-in for the federal government or the local, whatever, just bigger government. So let's see how the Russian meme this this Russian idea. So I'm talking about Ukraine because the foundation of everybody's argument rests on Russia invaded Ukraine and annexed Crimea. That's like the touchstone for everyone. How do you prove that this is really Russia's fault? How do you prove that they're aggressive and expansionist? You prove it by um, because this is what what Putin did. And I'm going to at the bottom of the hour, I'll start. Uh, I'll play more of the clips that debunk that. But let's see how it's being used by the rabble rousers here. This is Keith Olbermann. Um, I want to play, uh, well, it's the Olbermann clip. Let's hear it, DeMarco. Thank you. I have sat at this desk for 130 commentaries and begged that this be understood for what it is. Our willingness to abide the control of this country by Donald Trump and the mercenary gang with which he has surrounded himself was and is and will be in reality our willingness to abide the control of this country by another country. We are at this moment in a position akin to where our founding fathers were, literally under the control of the leaders of a foreign power who have placed at the head of the legal and military forces of this continent a man who is beholden not to us but to them. They, the Russians, may be ruling us, their satellite, the province, formerly known as the United States of America, by active means we know little of. So this is Olbermann's way of justifying a bloody revolution against the democratically elected president of this country because he's saying it wasn't. I I have no faith in the integrity of the elections. However, uh, this idea that Russia controlled the election, I also have no faith in. But for him to liken that, that we are being occupied by Russia the way we were a British colony like there. It was on the books that way. It's just crazy. But this is what he's doing to appeal to the emotions of people, to get them to riot, to get them to um, to not respect uh, the election results so that they can overthrow the government, you know, or try to and feel like they have uh moral ground. Now, there would be moral ground for overthrowing the government, but that's not it. 404-872-0750 1-800-WSB-TALK You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Maybe it's something really cool that I don't even know about. Monica Perez on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. I am the Libertarian Voice on WSB, Saturdays from 3 to 6, trying to give you the Libertarian perspective on News of the Week. Sometimes I just end up down the rabbit hole because when you're not blinded by the left-right paradigm, sometimes you realize the official narrative does not make sense. And the official narrative that Russia is on this expansionist jag trying to restack the USSR, I, I don't... Putin is not my hero. I think that people do... Uh, they always want to have, you know, either a hero or a villain. I, I saw Pat Buchanan wrote an article. My mom talks like this. People are like, you know, that Putin is a statesman. I respect him. 
Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. He he definitely plays into some ISIS narratives and things like that, which I think are false for his own purposes. I don't know what they are. I don't understand it. But I know that that our powers that be are using this idea that Russia is an aggressor uh, to get us to do things we would not otherwise do. It's uh, the Rahm Emanuel doctrine. And two of the things it's doing is creating all this unrest at home. It's That's what people are using to uh, get the left mad at Trump. Now, uh, my response would be, what we want is to restore the Bill of Rights, the Tenth Amendment that brings the power back to the states. Uh, don't use fear tactics to take away due process, um, the Fourth Amendment right to, you know, a specific warrant for search, the free speech, free association, all the things that are in the Bill of Rights that we don't hear the left or the right in any significant way talking about. So if you want to rebel against this government, I'm all for it, but do it to, uh, at the very least, to restore the freedoms guaranteed us by the Bill of Rights and the limited powers of the Constitution, restore Congress's place to declare war. Do do it for those reasons or go or get even more than that. I actually thought the Articles of Confederation were better because they didn't allow the federal government to tax and to tax is to kill. You know, <laughs> that's what tax is to destroy. So for me, there are plenty of reasons that you can get annoyed at this government, the Obama government, the Trump government, but it's not Russia. And and the meme that everyone goes back to is that Russia annexed Crimea. You, I have, I could find probably a citation every single day that says that. Uh, but I guess I said something controversial before the break because Tim in Stone Mountain wants to argue with me, which is good. I, I want the opportunity to be clear. 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALK, or you can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Hey, Tim, you're on with Monica. Hey, Monica, how you doing? Good, how are you doing? Uh, I'm okay. One of the things you just said that kind of took me for a loop is you said you would be okay with businesses being allowed to do whatever they wanted, uh, as opposed to the government having some authority to, I guess, to regulate them or to, to have some say-so about how businesses operate. And I would argue that that would be even worse than having a... a a overbloated centralized government because businesses don't operate in anybody's interest, especially not as, not us as individuals. There's no business that gives a damn about the individual. I totally I agree. And it, here's the here's a I'm, I'm going to mute you because it's a little noisy, but I'm not hanging up on you. Just hang on, and we'll go back and forth. Um, I I made up a little. Uh, like mantra, adage, whatever, that greed drives productivity and competition uh, counters or contains or whatever beats back greed, controls greed in that when you, if you have enough competition in the free market, no company can really get that big and be that powerful. And then if you go back in time, to when this whole regulatory state came about, you can look at what were called the robber barons, which I never liked that expression, except for what they did was they captured government. So they would commit fraud against people. They would bully them into giving up their businesses to create these monopolies, and they would capture government that gave them the, the protection, or they would put in regulatory barriers to entry. If you don't have this much property or this kind of 
accounting department or whatever, you can't compete in this industry. Even licenses are like that. So so I I do not believe in the government regulating industry because I think it's always the industry that captures the government and that subverts um, the basic law that subverts the um, the uh, what's called the race to the bottom where you end up with like zero uh, profit on the marginal level because there's so much competition in any given industry okay Tim you're back on uh, the the problem with that is, in today's world, an industry, and, and we'll just use like a Walmart, for example, and just use them as an example. At any point, Walmart could completely buy it. They could completely dominate any any retail segment they choose to dominate without any government interference, simply by undercutting everybody else. So the premise of competition goes away. I never liked that. Yeah, I never liked that Starbucks would come in and set up shop next to your mom and pop coffee shop. That does that does bum me out and it always has. I I think you have to what I did did to kind of think through this is first of all, Walmart makes things so cheap for people and they give a lot of jobs and I, I would and they what they really do is they beat up other big companies to reduce prices for so they can dominate at the retail level. So there are a lot of benefits to it. But you also have to think at a certain point, there are always substitutes. If they're too abusive, you're just going to make your own coffee at home, like the Starbucks thing. I don't like losing the mom and pop shops. But one of the things that promotes these bigger corporations over little ones is these massive regulations so that if you have to start putting down the calories of the food on your menu, a mom and pop shop simply can't do it. They simply, the cost would drive them out of business. So I think that, uh, that you would see a lot of that go away. Maybe not Walmart, but, but Walmart, I think created a, uh, a whole industry in these like markets that were underserved. So I think in, in reality, you would actually have a better scenario that, cause we still have this. We still have Walmart and Starbucks dominating entire I, niches do we not I see it I see it in communities now where you'll see a Walmart go in and over a period of two to three years every other small business in in, in that general community is gone I've always every hated that the hardware stores and, and, and all that's left is Walmart and there's and the people that live in the community the only place they have to work is Walmart so the wages are depressed the hours are limited because Walmart controls. They're, they're strict about controlling their... their, their but the prices it. are so low to okay, those but, people. But and, and if the prices are that low and the wages are that low, then there's no avenue for upward growth. Because everything, there's a cap on everything. When you, if you sell something at a dollar and you pay somebody 95 cents, then all they have is, that's all they have. There's no means to get out of that, and Walmart has created, has put a dome over those communities where there's no, there's no outward outlet. There's, there's no place where you can go and work a little bit harder and make a little bit more and and and, and do something a little bit different because I, they yeah. have they, they have a cap on it, they have a dome on it that prevents that from happening. Yes, I ha- I think sorry, I think you have to think a little more broadly than that. In that you. Uh, 
if if somebody wants to give you free stuff, you know, basically take the free stuff and get a different job. I mean, that's what I feel about when they want to restrict trade. If China dumps steel, they give us steel for lower prices than we can do it ourselves. What if they wanted to give us all the steel we wanted free? Wouldn't we take our resources, our effort, and do other things and just absorb all that steel until they stopped giving it to us? I feel like there's... Um, that there are substitutes. You always have to think of the alternatives and maybe make that bubble a little bigger. But if Walmart, but if Walmart has, has the, the capacity or whomever has the capacity to dominate at whatever industry they choose, then where else can you go? You can't go small business to drive this country. And if you eliminate the, the ability for a small business to be in play, just if you economically squeeze them out, then there is no small business. But I don't think it's economic squeezing. I think it's policy squeezing. I think that you can't, McDonald's doesn't have a lot of competition because you're not allowed to just put a burger stand on the corner anymore. You have to go through a lot of hoops, licensing and health and safety. And I understand that people want the health and safety. Many people want those kind of regulations. I myself believe that in a uh, that it's wealth that brings health and safety and that you have you can have a million regulations in a poor country and people still get cholera you know they still get that we don't get that stuff because our standards are high and if somebody had that you could even have uh, you know a private there are private companies that give thumbs up to things like if you took out also the tax code is really make small businesses suffer and they have a harder time competing because all the tax codes in place and the small businesses have to adhere to those but the big businesses get to literally cut deals they cut deals sometimes and then they hire the guy who wrote the law so i i i feel like the truly unbridled capitalism ends up with actually the best distribution of wealth but i understand your arguments and i love them tim thank you uh, i'm going to go on to gertrude and bremen hey uh gertrude how are you doing it's doing you're on great. with monica how are you i appreciate Good. your show so much monica thank you um you're welcome you haven't played the part of president trump's speech to the polish people where he gives the history of the conflict um, with them and with Russia, and he he speaks about how the Polish people showed such great insight. They could have asked for anything, but they asked for God. The Russians had come in and had taken over their churches and had tried to remove the worship of God. The Russians, for the most part, are atheists, so I'd like your comment. Well, I wouldn't say the Russians were. I would say the Soviets were atheists because the Russians right, had right. that strong Russian Orthodox Church. Uh, I think that that was kind of hearkening to the Pope John, or now St. John Paul II. But didn't you think it was weird? Do you feel like Trump is uh, religious? It, that struck me as kind of weird. I think he is. I absolutely think that he is. And he's he has uh, professed that. He's not a perfect man, and... But he, uh, you know, he, he has he met uh, with so many of the leaders, the uh, spiritual leaders across the nation. He said he was quite humbled because they accepted him. I mean, he is he is a man full of, uh, you know, misdeeds. We all. It's are. a little tricky with the three wives, but I, I but yeah, I mean, I, I would never presume to know somebody's heart or whatever. But he just never struck me as particularly religious. But I agree that. That was the salvation. I have a little bit of an echo, but um, that was the salvation uh, 
I have a book called The President, the Prime Minister, and the Pope about Margaret Thatcher, Ronald Reagan, John Paul II, and it folds in Lech Walesa and the beginning of the domino effect that really brought an end to the Soviet Union, which we should all uh, celebrate and rejoice. And I mean, I just, I cried when the Pope was shot. I, or was it Reagan? They were both shot like back to back. I love them both. I think I shed a tear for Reagan because he was so handsome. <laughs> I loved him. So, um, but yes, that was a triumphant time. And I think that a lot of this is trying to get us to hearken back to that. But I, I'm more cynical in this in, uh, this go-round uh, than I was then. But uh, anyway, thanks for the call, Gertrude. Uh, Tim, hang on. Your next 404 872 uh, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. 86 degrees outside the studio. Skies are mostly sunny. Weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. And we just had a really robust discussion about... Uh, uh, I was... Caught saying something that I guess I was a little too casual, that I wouldn't care if corporations did whatever they wanted. I actually don't care if they do whatever they want as long as they don't capture the government. Because once they do that, then they, if they do whatever they want in a free society, they will get beaten back by competition that does what the customer wants instead. And, uh, and of course, basic law don't touch me or my stuff, which prevents theft and fraud and things that um, corporations can do as well as individuals or mobs. That is, uh, you can't have that. But other than that, I don't believe in preemptive regulation even. But it was such an interesting conversation. And I think Tim and Woodstock is here to, uh, to kind of bring it to the next level. Hi, Tim. You're on with Monica. Hi, uh, Monica. Um, yeah, the, the Walmart-hating um, argument is is not based on the current situation the way it actually is because Walmart has dominated the market in a giant government overregulated scenario. That's, yeah, that's can I say, Tim, about. just for people who missed what we were talking about before the break, I had a caller who said, uh, in, in the real world, you're going to have Walmart come in and take out all other small businesses. Uh, I added the example that I knew it was Starbucks business plan to go into towns and set up shop right next to the mom and pop coffee shop and drive them out of business. I remember Pergament used to set up near the local hardware store and uh, and and I had a lot of arguments. If you want to go back and listen to the podcast, I'll post it in a few days on PropagandaReportDaily.com. But just so people know where we pick up, uh, and then the Walmart thing, I said that it lowers prices, it gives people jobs. You have to think outside that big box if you want alternatives and substitutes, but it's not like they rule the world. But uh, So if you could pick it up from there, Tim, I appreciate what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, when you say small business, uh, you mean small retail business, small service business, uh, small construction business like Ford. Um, let's say Ford and Facebook and and Walmart are they're all big businesses, but they're in completely different aspects of this big business. If you want to compete with any one of those guys, you've got to go through such a massive amount of regulations that are are bound by by politics and bound by government that it's almost impossible to break into those markets at that level. So small business across the board, it can't compete with 
the bought and paid for government regulations that have been put in place over the past 100 years to keep little people from making their way into it. Um, yeah. Where, where Walmart has, has killed it is, it is taking advantage of the regulations the way they're set up. So we're not even we're not in a free market economy. Um, we don't operate in a, uh, a fair and balanced um, economy, and, and it's not set up to where it's fair. The people that are right. paying off the government are the ones that are getting the advantages, and it's everywhere. Uh, yeah, they pay I, off the EPA. I read a they book. Pay off the FDA. They pay off the Energy Department. It, it's it's everywhere. So yeah, like the corporations are the clients. Of the regulators, and sometimes even call them that. Like, I think at the FDA, if I recall correctly, there was a time, maybe it's still true, where they called the drug companies the client, which is absolutely not true. But I want to recommend, Tim, don't don't go away. I want to recommend a very short book. Um, I actually have a review of it on uh, my website, monicaperezshow.com called Our Enemy the State by Albert J. Nock. It's a tiny little book. You could probably get a PDF um, free if you just Google for it. And it talks about how the government, not not government like a voluntary association of people for mutual defense, but the modern state is there for the opposite of that. It's to disarm you, to get you to come together and obey those rules, and then it takes that power and it uses it to bestow privilege. So it gets its cronies rich, they kick it back, um, and that's how it actually works. I think um, Tim dropped there, a little line problem. But so... So what you end up having is because of one of the things Tim was going to say, he told the screener, was that uh, Amazon is now competing with Walmart. So what I was trying to say earlier is when you look at these problems, you have to expand the scope of how you view the problem. There are always substitutes. So if the U.S. government did not soften up other countries and make it easier to access their oil and gas for our oil and gas companies. You know, it's U.S. taxpayer subsidies that softens up other countries with bombs. And uh, and then our oil and gas companies go in there and they act like they're making free decisions, but they're they're benefiting from that. But we, we build roads, and that also benefits them. If you didn't do that, if you didn't subsidize oil, subsidize auto with, with taxpayer-paid roads, we probably would have converted to a telecommuting society uh, a long time ago or, or gone closer to that. There's always a substitute. You could even substitute uh, commerce, consumption, production with leisure, you could say, okay, instead of buying that new car, I'll just work less and spend more time with my family. And that's how I will use my, um, my human resources. So for me, if you expand the bubble of how you're thinking, and now Amazon, it's a whole new medium that will butt up against Walmart. And it had an advantage in that you didn't used to have to pay taxes on Amazon. Gave it a big leg up, gave it an opportunity, who knows, uh, if that was just a coincidence or what, but 
you know, normally states will get all over taxes like that. Like nobody would have allowed it. I, my guess is there was behind the scenes political pressure across the board to foster Internet commerce. This gives Amazon a tremendous advantage over all the local. Uh, I think the, the sales tax should be eliminated completely. Taxation is theft. But if you're going to have it against the small biz local business and not against this interloper, it's going to give the interloper an unfair advantage based on policy. So you could probably always find the policy behind the mega companies. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. We'll get to some tweets after the break at Monica Perez Show. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.